Let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. And we are going to study verse 1 to 19. Genesis 22, 1 to 19. How many of you have seen a toddler jumping on the swimming pool for the first time? Alright, so I'm sure uh, that when you see this, the toddler is usually waiting. Uh, there's a parent waiting for the toddler in the swimming pool, right? And usually the scenario is that uh, that would be a father or a mother. And the father or the, or the mother would be promising their child that, they are, that the child is safe and he will jump into the water, right? Uh, two years ago, uh, we enrolled our children into a swimming class. They were happy and excited because the, pro- the instructor promised them that they would learn and enjoy swimming. However, after some time, that instructor grew impatient <clears throat> and he dunked one of my children's head into the water. After that, my children wouldn't want to take another lesson from that swimming instructor. However, on the other hand, uh, they feel secure when they are around me. Why? Because I promised them that they would be safe. So remember this example as we study Genesis 22, in which Abraham, like my children, received a promise from God. And unlike that swimming instructor, God is patient, enduring, loving, gracious, and He is true to His promise. That's why Abraham's life changed. It was centered on God's promise, but by stages. God, however, gave him the final test in our story today to see if he would live out his faith, even if Isaac, his son, the guarantee of getting the promise, was about to die because he must be offered to God as a sacrifice. We can all agree that uncertainty nowadays is common. It's a normal part of life. Uncertainties may arise in our workplaces, health, relationships, financial situation, and every other areas of our lives. As an example of that, many of us are not certain if we are still going to have our job tomorrow, even if it's bound by a formal contract. It is difficult to place our trust and confidence to something that gives certainty. Even if we are Christians, Nowadays, we find it hard sometimes during the trials to put our, uh, our trust and confidence in God. Brothers and sisters, every one of us will face this kind of trials in one of these days, just like Abraham faced his trials. If you are a Christian, this test will determine whether you will cling to God or become like those who live according to the world standard that reject any certainty that comes from God. So let's read Genesis 22, 1-19 and study what we can learn from this story. 
After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the boy, and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his, in his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be provided to the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men and they got up and went together to Beersheba and Abraham settled in Beersheba. Praise be to God for the reading of his word. Let us all pray. Father in heaven, we pray to you, Lord God, that by your spirit, that your son, will be exalted in the preaching of your word. Help us, Lord, to understand your word that we may believe and glorify your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The main point of our sermon today is, in the test, have faith in God who keeps his promise. Have faith in God who keeps his promise. And I'll try to explain it in two parts using the narrative story that we can find in Genesis 22. Those two things are faith in God during the test, faith in God during the test, and the second, faith in God for His grace provision. 
faith in God for His grace provision. So let us proceed to our first point. Faith in God during the test. As we have read a while ago, the first five verses tells us that test that came to Abraham. And I want us to see the nature of this test. What is the significance of this test? Why are these tests present in our lives? And what are we to do when tests come to us? So that we might understand and we might learn the answers to this question, first we must look at the context surrounding the test that came to Abraham. Because when you read verse 1, it says that after these things, after these things usually tell us to know what happened before, right? So we will look back what happened before. We will look back during the great flood or after the great flood, God called a man whose name is Abram. God gave him a promise in Genesis 12. In Genesis 12, God promised him to make him into a great nation. God said that he will make Abraham's, Abram's name great. God will bless him and Abram will be a blessing. Those who bless him will be blessed while those who curse him will be cursed by God. This is God's promise to Abraham when God called Abraham. But this promise, I want us to know, also looks back to what happened before. In Genesis 1 and 2, when God created everything, God created Adam and Eve. And he gave them also somehow this kind of promise. He said, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over my creation. The problem is, Adam and Eve sinned against God. And this promise was put to a hold. Now, God is repeating this promise to Abram. And this promise is not only for Abram, but also to his descendants. That they shall once again enjoy dominion over God's creation. They will be both recipients and carriers of God's blessing to the entire creation. However... Abraham remains childless after several years. Abraham doesn't have a son. Abraham and Sarai waited for the promised son until they both passed the age of bearing children. We heard that a while ago when Ate Baby read that to us. Despite this impossibility, God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. They had a son named Isaac. And God changed the name of Abram into Abraham. The name Abram means exalted father. But the name Abraham means the father of many. You see what God is doing here? So this is the short summary of the promise of God to Abraham. So that we might understand what happens during the test of Abraham. Now let's try to understand the test that came to Abraham in verse 1 and 2. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. What was the test? Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. 
go to the land of Moriah and offer him, him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. This command seems to be absurd, right? God finally gave them the promised son, Isaac. And to sacrifice Isaac means that to kill the promise. Although we can read that this is just a test that God gave Abraham. For Abraham, this is true and real. Everything is real. It's one thing to have faith in God while waiting, but it's also another thing to remain faithful and obey God's word after he received what was promised. Right. This was a test of Abraham's willingness to obey God. Will Abraham obey God in faith, even if it means taking away the promised offspring, uh, I mean the promised son, which the promised fulfillment will happen? Is Abraham's fear of God greater than his love for his son? This is the intriguing question that Genesis 22 raised to us, particularly how Abraham will respond to the obstacle of the fulfillment of the promise. That is why I think we must know that prior to this test, Abraham also experienced a lot of tests before. For example, when Abraham arrived in the promised land of Canaan, he was put to the test because when he arrived there, the promised land became a famine land. So he went to Egypt for a while. But he was afraid that his life will be taken because of the beauty of Sarai. Did Abraham trust God in his promise? No. Abraham or Abram gave Sarai away to the king of Egypt. And in this case, God must intervene. He afflicted the king's household. And so the Pharaoh gave back Abraham, uh, Sarai to Abram and he sent them away. However, Another thing that we must know is that during this test, God also kept reminding Abraham of his promise. You can read that in different chapters of Genesis. Chapter 12, chapter 13, 15, and 17. God repeated his promise to Abraham multiple times. And let me read to you one of them. Genesis 13, 14 says that look from the place where you are. Look north and south, east and west. For I will give you and your offspring forever, all the land that you see. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could be counted. God is assuring Abraham. In many of Abraham's tests, God doesn't only promise in words. God does it by action. Now let's try to look at the final test and how Abraham responded. Verse 3 to 4, we can read. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Abraham is now willing to obey. 
Abraham woke up early in the morning. Abraham obeyed God without question. The three-day journey from Beersheba to Mount Moriah is, to, is enough to make Abraham depressed, right? The common temptation to us is to doubt God, especially if it is a prolonged time. The agony is more painful. The temptation is to question God in a way that does not seek an answer, but blame Him for the difficulties or hardship. However, Abraham obeyed without question. He obeyed without hesitation. He got up early in the morning, prepared all the things for the burnt sacrifice, including his son, Isaac. And then in verse 5, look with me in verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. We will come back to you. What can we observe from this? Second characteristic that Abraham shows to us is not only he obeyed without question, he obeyed without doubting God's word this time. And thousands of years later, an author wrote the book of Hebrew. In the book of Hebrew, the author used Abraham's faith in God's promise as an example to encourage those who are getting weak in their walk in faith. They are suffering. They are experiencing trials and tests. So, the author of that book encouraged them to look to the example of Abraham, who is trusting God, keeping his promise. It says that even though Abraham is most likely unaware what God would do, to keep Isaac alive, he trusted God. He obeyed. He proceeded with the offering of his son. He obeyed without doubting God's word. So two characteristics that we can see now that Abraham has is that he obeyed without question. He obeyed without doubting God. Now let's try to understand our own test in light of Abraham's test. Although Abraham's test was exceptional, there are many tests that come to us similar, somewhat similar to Abraham's test. Consider sickness. Even as I speak, a member of another faithful church here in the UAE reached out to the pastor's network. And they were asking that they would be strengthened in the fight against brain cancer. This life experience, among many others, may call into doubt God's promise to those who have placed their hope and confidence in Christ Jesus. The most common temptation is to doubt and distrust God. Is God unconcerned about me? Is God true to His words? Is God really in charge of my future? Am I truly his child? I'm suffering right now. I'm in pain. There are many uncertainties in life that becomes a kind of test in our belief to the Lord Jesus Christ. Trials such as job loss, a death of a family member, marital problems, 
of a depression of a family member. A child's disobedience when you are faithfully parenting. Financial issues. Strife in relationship. What should we do in, in, in this time of testing in light of our passage today? Well, there are four things that we can do in light of this passage, in light of the experience that Abraham had. First, learn that these trials are not outside God's sovereign control. God is in control. The Word of God says that God, God guards His people all throughout the test. First Peter 5-6 to says, You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer in grief in various trials. Brothers and sisters, God is not too weak to abandon His people in their hour of need. He keeps guard. He watches without growing weary. He is not impatient in our weakness. He, did not, he does not grow impatient just like that swimming instructor and then dump us more into our testing. Instead, He is in control and we can rely in Him. We can be like that toddler in the swimming pool, trusting his father or his mother, and then jumping and enjoying the swimming lesson. Instead of giving in to fear, let us trust God who is in charge. Second, God never meant to harm us in this test. When faced these trials, when faced with these trials just like Abraham, we should not think that this trial is meant to bring us down. James 1.13 says, No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and He Himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Brothers and sisters, God is not the author of evil. So when difficult arise, don't ship our blame to God. Look at Abraham in this final test. He did not question God. Instead, his thought is the same like that of the, those people who are living in the time uh, when, when the Apostle Paul was teaching them in 1 Corinthians 10.13. The Apostle Paul says that no temptation has come upon us except what is common to humanity. God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way out so that we may be able to bear it. Third, the test is meant to build up our characters. The test is, built, is meant to build up our characters. I believe that one of the end results of God's promise to Abraham is that Abraham would enjoy being drawn near to God in righteousness, in righteousness. After all, God credited Abraham with righteousness, right? Similarly, God delivered Christians from the grip of sin 
which corrupts and makes people slaves to iniquity. God saves Christians onto path of righteousness just as he did Abraham. And according to God's word, when trials come into the Christian life, it should produce righteousness and godly character for God's glory. James 1, 2-4 says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So, brothers and sisters, when trials come, look to God and consider that He is there to build up our character, producing in us righteousness for His glory. Ask ourselves, should I fear this situation? Or hope in God's help? Should anger take control of my heart? Or should I forgive the person who wronged me for the sake of my gospel witness? Should I tell lies or hide the truth for the sake of peace and good relation? Or should I speak the truth in love even if that means getting hated? Should I give up this thing that is taking over my love for God? Or should I keep it? In this moment, I want us again to look into Abraham's experience. Abraham's love for his son is genuine. It honors the Lord. However, if Abraham's love for his son has become more satisfying to him than anything else, including his love for God, Abraham has turned God's gift into an idol. In the same way, whatever we are more devoted to than Jesus has become our idol. Every idol in our lives must be burned, must be given up to God. Brothers and sisters, God intend for this test to mature us in our faith. And lastly, I want us to realize that this test is meant to build up our confidence in God. It's meant to build up our confidence in God. It is difficult and unpleasant to be put to the test. Am I right? When Abraham was asked by Isaac, Father, where is the lamb? Abraham abandoned all his earthly hope and then uttered some hopeful words. Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. That test built up Abraham's confidence in God. But Christians today have much clearer picture of the hope that Abraham desperately clung into during his lowest time. Unlike Abraham who spoke those words without knowing how God would keep his promise, we have considerably more reason to be assured because the promised offspring, Jesus Christ, has already come. We have more confidence in calling God our Abba, Father, through the redemption that God gave us in Christ Jesus. And just like 
how Isaac called to his father, my father, Christians can have better confidence in calling to their father during adversity by looking to the hope of the promise, which is Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, let Abraham's response to the test be an encouragement to us. The test that comes to us are the way by which our faith in God is strengthened. Our character traits are transformed into those of holiness. Our certainty that God is in control is strengthened so that we might be confident that God is faithful. He is good in all that He does. Like Abraham, we can have faith in God during our own trials. So that's the test of Abraham. That's the response of Abraham. We can learn from him. However, Genesis 22 has a lot of things to tell us. But time is not enough. I will just try to summarize this. And I hope we will get something out of this story. The reason why this narrative was placed in the Bible is not to highlight how amazing Abraham is in his firm belief in God. Because we already saw that Abraham has flaws and weaknesses while he is growing into maturity through trials. This narrative points us to our great assurance, just like Abraham placed his hope and trust in that great assurance that God has provided him. And that's what we are going to see in the remaining text. This is our second point. Faith in God for His grace provision. Faith in God for His grace provision. In this section of the passage, what I want you to see is the immeasurable riches of God's grace provided to us through Christ Jesus. What we will try to do here is to expound the grace of God that is shown to Abraham in the provision of the ram for the burnt offering. We shall also expound uh, the grace of God when he intervened during the desperate situation of Abraham. And then we shall look into the nature of God's promise that has assured Abraham that God is worthy of his trust and confidence. So let's proceed to the first one. Let's study the nature of that sacrificial ram or sacrificial lamb that God has provided Abraham. Let's look at verse 6 to 10. Verse 6 says that Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father, he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar, altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. We've already addressed the question why God instructed Abraham to sacrifice his son. 
That's the simple answer to that is it, it, it is a test. Now, the second question we look into is the question of Isaac to his father. Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And this question is significant because it communicates to us the intensity of Abraham's pain. Also, in a human sense, the unresolvable problem of Isaac, the unresolvable problem of all humanity, and of God himself. Why? First, because without the lamb for the burnt offering, Isaac's life will be taken. He will be slain. He will be burned at the fire. It also communicates the problem of all humanity. Because without the lamb for the burnt offering, the promise of blessing to all nations will be threatened because Isaac will be killed. And without the lamb, God will not be faithful to his promises because his promise is contingent to Abraham, uh, to Isaac's survival. Abraham and all his heirs, trust and confident, depend on this one thing that God has given Abraham. In this portion, I'd like us to reflect in our own life. Without the atoning sacrifice for our sin, my dear friends, our own lives, like Isaac, are at peril. We all, like Isaac, bears the weight of the wood. We will be burned at the stake. The sword has been prepared for the day of judgment. The fire is ready to devour and satisfy the demands of paying the consequences of our transgressions. This is what the Bible clearly teaches. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of our sin is death. Friends, without the Lamb, who takes away the sins of the world, we will pay for what our sin deserve. The test that came to Abraham is a picture, a clear picture of the good news of Jesus Christ. Second, let's see the nature of God's intervention and the hope it communicates. Verses 11 to 13 says that the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Dear friends, God's grace is also shown when the angel of the Lord called to Abraham and stopped the slaughter of Isaac. In the same way that God intervened Abraham's desperate condition, God also intervened in our desperate situation. And that is shown in the other half of that passage I just read a while ago in Romans 6.23. What's the other half of that passage? It resembled that other half of Genesis 22 when it was said in verse 11, 
but the angel of the Lord. But the angel of the Lord. Romans 6.23 says, But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We are all in our desperate situation, but God is giving us this gift. He is no other than Jesus Christ, and eternal life is in Him. God's gracious provision to Abraham was that ram that was caught in the thicket. And Abraham beheld that ram. God's gracious provision to us is Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Let us also behold, uh, behold our eyes to Jesus Christ. In the same manner that the ram's horn were caught in the ticket, the Lord Jesus was caught and was nailed to the cross to die for our sins. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is one story of God's love for us. Genesis unto Revelation says to us that God loved us and He gave His one and only Son to die for our sins so that we can be saved and enjoy Him as our highest good eternally. Look, look at the father, Abraham, willingly giving up his son. And look to the eternal father who willingly gave up his only son, whom he loves for the ransom of our soul. See the eternal son's glad's obedience. The Lord Jesus obeyed the father portrayed in Isaac's meekness when he did not complain. He did not complain. He willingly carried the wood for the sacrifice just as Christ bore the cross on which he died for our sins. He did not complain but obeyed his father in the same way that Christ obeyed his father for our sake, for God's glory. In the same manner that the blood of the ram was spilled in place of Isaac at Mount Moriah, the blood of Jesus was spilled in our place at the Mount Calvary. My brothers and sisters, precious is that blood that was spilled for our sin. That is God's grace. God's grace is shown through His intervention in our desperate condition. Just like He intervened on the desperate situation of Abraham. And now let's look to the nature that God gave, the nature of the assurance that God gave to Abraham. Let's look at verse 14 to 19. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men, and they got up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham settled in Beersheba. In this passage, look at how Abraham was so thankful at the amazing grace of our God. 
And that grace, like what we sing today, exceeds all our sins and transgression, just like it exceeded all his doubts, all his flaws before. Abram's awe in God's grace is what compelled him in naming that place for his God. He said that this place from now on will be the Lord will provide. And just as Abraham's descendants might say it will be provided in the, Lord, the Lord's mountain, today we can also claim much better than them that God has indeed provided. John exclaimed when he saw Jesus Christ, Look, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Brothers and sisters, in the same way that God's grace was shown to Abraham by the provision of the ram, Jesus is also our provision. He is God's grace to us. After this, God called Abraham a second time. And this time, God reinforced the assurance of Abraham to his infallible promise by means of an oath. God swore an oath simply to say that God will not lie. He will fulfill what he promised to Abraham. In the, in the same manner that God kept reassuring Abraham of his promise in the midst of many that came to him, God once again reminded Abraham that he will indeed fulfill his promise. Long time ago, God kept reminding Abraham and this time, God said that this is sure, this will happen. This assurance is also ours because it speaks to the generation that follows. It encouraged God's people throughout ages to look to the fulfillment of God's promise from the time of Abraham until the coming of Christ Jesus, from the time of the New Testament Christians until today and from the time today until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ we look to that hope with assurance we look into Abraham's faith and the test that strengthened him and then we look to our, our, our own situation and think about the promises that we have in Christ Jesus the Apostle Paul reminds the Galatians who are weakening and misplacing their faith into another thing aside from God's grace, listen to what Paul said in Galatians 3, 26 and 29. Paul said, For through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. Our sonship is connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 29 it says that, If you belong to Jesus Christ, then you are Abraham's seed heirs according to the promise brothers and sisters that promise that god gave to abraham belongs to us we are heirs of god according to the promise given to us through christ jesus the apostle paul speak these things to those people which are being tested in their faith claiming or going to another gospel their hope of eternal glory relies on the promised fulfillment which is in Christ Jesus but now they are turning away from that gospel brothers and sisters this is also speaking to us let's not turn away from that promise that we have in Christ Jesus put ourselves always 
fixed on the gospel of Jesus Christ. If they belong to Christ, I'm speaking to those Galatians whom Paul was, was speaking to, we also belong to Christ. We are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. We can therefore say with determined confidence that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you are heirs according to God's sure promise to Abraham. The heirs have been numerous in numbers, past, present, and future. The book of Acts that every day God is adding numbers to the church. And Jesus is that offspring of God who opened and brought God's blessing to the nations. He possessed the city gates of the enemies by defeating our enemy, Satan, and freed us from the slavery of sin and death so that we might live for the glory of God while we await for His return. Brothers and sisters, have faith in Him, for God keeps His promise, even in the times of our difficulties. What is the significance of knowing the nature of God's grace provision to Abraham? My dear friends, it means that if you are not a Christian, you are far away from the blessings that God has promised to Abraham. You are outside that promise, which only means that you, are, you will not be able to enjoy the highest good that God has prepared for Abraham and his heirs through Jesus Christ. Therefore, I encourage you to put down all your hope and confidence placed on earthly things, and place your hope in the Lord that provides in the same way that He has provided for Abraham. The Lord has provided the Lamb that we need for our atonement, for our sins. That Lamb is no other than Jesus Christ. Let us behold Him. Ask God to forgive us from our sins. If you are not a Christian, turn away from your sinful patterns and turn to God by trusting in God's provision of grace, which is in Christ Jesus. And if you are a Christian, know the depth of God's grace. It, it dictates the course of our lives. In the same way that it has dictated the course of the life of Abraham, it dictates the course of our life. We must behold Jesus, just like Abraham behold that ram. Brothers and sisters, in the story of Abraham, we realize that God's people can have assurance of God's faithfulness even in the many tests of life. We also learn the magnitude of God's grace that He has provided to us. This grace is what enables God's people to stand firm during the test. And we saw God's commitment to keep His promise, not only to Abraham, but also to His heirs through Jesus Christ. Let us all pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful to you, Lord, because we can have faith in Jesus Christ who keeps 